Quick question for you. Are you a Federal Access member yet? If you're a government contractor, you need a Federal Access account. You can get started today with a free membership. Just visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Free members get access to about 20 documents and templates as well as our video training playbooks. More importantly, this gets you in the RSM Federal ecosystem and makes you part of our community. So go grab your free account today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here with Game Changers, and we have another great episode for you today. I'm going to be talking with Doug Monticello here from Brevet Capital, and he's going to be talking to us about a lot of different financial uh, topics around government contracting. And uh, before I dive into that and, and give away any of the scoop for today, Doug, why don't you take it and just tell everybody a little bit about who you are, what you do there, and uh, we'll go from there. Sure. Thank you, Michael. Um, so, again, I'm Doug Monticello. I am the CEO of Brevet Capital, and we are a non-bank lender and an alternative lender focused on the government contracting and program space. We're based in New York City, and this is our 20th year of doing business. Awesome. Well, congratulations on that. You know, I always talk to people and say, hey, most people don't make it out of the three-year mark. So to get to 20 years, you're doing some things right. And okay. so, yeah, some interesting things you said right there in the intro there about a non-bank lender. And so uh, I'm anxious to get into that and learn a little bit more about what what your company provides and how you provide it. And we'll just we'll kind of go from there. But so I, I want to dive right in and ask the, the first question I want to ask you is, what do you think are some of the most pressing financial issues facing government contractors today? Because I. Being on this side of the coin and talking to a lot of the contractors I talk to, there's a number of issues they have in the financial space. And so what do you think the most pressing issues are for them? A good question. Well, it's the biggest issue that, that, that we see is the complexity. And the complexity around both government contracting and getting financing for a contract. Um, so let me, let me give you an example of uh, what we normally experience and what some first-time contractors uh, face, which is um, the first hurdle in a lot of cases is getting bonded. Uh, bonding is an insurance uh, protection that you have to purchase in order to make sure that you complete the project. And so an insurer is there to make sure that uh, something goes wrong, they're going to step in and make sure the contract gets completed. Um, second is the fact that you now have multiple parties looking at your company. So you have the federal government or which uh, state government you might be uh, working with who are going to want to make sure that you're capable of completing the project. Then you're going to have the insurance company who's making sure that you have the financial wherewithal. And then you're going to have all your service providers and third parties that are working with you to complete that project. So what are the typical hangups are uh, is that when you're working with the government, it's not quite like regular contracting. And I'm sure a lot of your, your listeners are, are familiar with this, which is um, the, they award you a contract, but they may not immediately start the work. Um, they may not pay as quickly or as timely as you'd like. And yet you as a business owner have to go out and hire people. You have to start employing them on the project and you have to start spending money. 
Um, so the financial burdens that are different about government contracting than traditional commercial contracting are that you typically need more working capital and more capital to buy the equipment and the supplies you need in advance. And Brevet is actually very focused on this space because this is what we do. We, Like I said, we are a government-focused lender uh, that helps sort of bridge that gap and it understands those particular needs that are very unusual for a bank. Yeah, you know, you, you hit on a couple of points there, and and one is, I talk to a, a lot of government contractors. Obviously, they are all very very nervous anytime you talk about finances, in who they share, what they share, all that sort of thing. I know that this is slightly off topic here, but can you? Can you help them understand how this is not only normal, but they shouldn't freak out? Like they shouldn't be so scared. Like, wow, you know what? What are we gonna if? It, what what happens if our financial statement gets in the wrong hands? And I'm like, it's not going to. The odds are really slim. But again, there's so much concern. I I have clients that are like, well, you know, I don't know if we should share that with the bank, and you know, we are we only share that with the bank. I don't know that we should share that with a contracting officer. What should we share with them? You know, and and what are the implications? And I'm like, I think you're really stressing out a lot about a lot of things you don't need to stress out about. But coming from your perspective in the financial world, maybe you can give some peace of mind around this particular topic. Uh, again, since it's the the government really wants you to be able to just pull back the covers and share whatever they ask for, right? I mean, that, that's kind of what they want. But maybe maybe you can help them. Uh, the mentality around that. Um, sure. So, so this is a big part of the complexity, I think, and some of the fears that people do have. Mm -hmm. uh, what to share? Why are they asking the question? Uh, and so, the the best thing to think about is to unpack this into saying, put yourself in the shoes of the government. Uh, they're trying to make sure that you're capable of doing the project, that you have the financial resources to do the project, do you have the experience to do the project. Because I think what a lot of people don't know is that when we talk to the people in government, their primary objective is to get whatever project you're being contracted for completed. Mm -hmm. And so success is a, a very straightforward process for them. They want to do certain tasks and they want to get them done on time. And they want to make sure that you as the contractor, the person that they're trusting you do it, can do it. So confidentiality and the, some of the other items you pointed out, um, they're very, uh, I think in lending in general, there's very high standards for that. But most importantly, you should be able to provide them what you need to get them comfortable. And keep in mind with government contracting, if you have the insurers involved and you have lenders involved, um, you'll want to be prepared. Uh, and as everybody says, you, you want to sort of pack your backpack before you take the hike. Yeah. Well, that's very similar here. You want to make sure um, that you, know, you you are prepared because they want success just as much as you do. It's a great business to be in. And remember, the goals are they want you to succeed and they want mm -hmm. to work with you. You just have to enable them to do it. Yeah, no, I, I like what you said there. You know, you, you have to enable them to do it. And to me, it's one of those things where if somebody is asking for that level of information, that is literally them trying to close the deal. I, they're really trying to close the deal with you at this point to ask for certain information. And, and it's really to your detriment not to provide it. And so they're really just trying to close the deal 
and you're trying to enable them to move forward and to to do this type of work. And so I think that's a really, really important point. So when, when folks come to you for lending, there's, there's a couple of, um, of thoughts here. One is, where do you see the best places to allocate any, you know, capital that, that they would get. And then the flip side of that coin is where are the places that are, you know, not the best place, you know, what, what would be the mistakes? Cause I, I know there's, there's people that come in and, you know, I actually teach a small business class. And one of the first things I tell people is don't go get money if you don't need it, mm-hmm. because sure. if, if you don't need it, you know, the, the odds are you're not going to use it in the right place. However, if you need money and you go get it, use it in the right places. So from that perspective, if somebody comes to you, what are the right places for them to invest or inject that capital into the organization? And where are the places that are just foolish and are going to get them in trouble? Well, I think, uh, again, the the contract that you're going to enter into is going to legislate a lot of that. Um, so remember uh, what I said at the beginning, you wind up with two pitfalls or hangups that the contractors run into. One is the working capital need, and the other is capital for expenditures, buying equipment, buying supply. Um, the, you are going to have some scrutiny from the government on what you're doing with the money and how you're getting it. Um, our view is that um, by understanding what is being asked for by the government of what they think is needed to complete the contract, but also what you think is needed to complete the contract. If those two align, then the amount of money you need, how you need it is, you know, within your control, but it should be matched. They should be you know, in sync with each other. Now, I'm sure if you're in the government contracting business, you've got great core skills. I'm sure you have great um, financial controls already. You're probably one of the leading companies because I think the best companies do get this opportunity. Um, and what we're going to look for, as well as the insurance companies and the government, is a good explanation, a good plan, um, making sure that what you're asking for matches what the needs of the contract are. So. I think these are things that a lot of your listeners probably know already, but I think uh, the the goal should be um, stay within your bounds and use the money that's necessary to make sure that you actually are able to complete the contract because, again, that is the business. Success is mm-hmm. driven by completion. Yeah. I mean, it's driven by successful completion of a contract and then right. repetition of that, just doing that over and over and over and over again. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's really good advice, staying within the bounds, making sure you're you're matching up and syncing with what the government is asking. I, I do see some people that they go and they get some money and they think, oh, well, you know, now that we have the money, we can probably do this a little smarter or different and take some of that extra money and do something else with it. Uh, again, I it's not like you see people you do, you do see companies who come at this from the perspective of, uh, you know, with, with bad intentions. Uh, but there are people that come at it and say, well, you know, we, we came in under budget and we want to try to do something different with some of that money. And it's like, no, that's, that's not a good idea, you know, to, to do that. We need to look at what's going on here and, and make the right decisions. So what, what do you think are, are some of the most common misconceptions contractors have about financing for government contracts? Sure. So uh, most people think that uh, 
our goal as a as a lender is or a financing partner is to make your life difficult as as you <laughs> pointed uh, and to yeah. try to find uh, problems uh, in reality at least this is what we do and I think a lot of others do is we want to see you succeed we want to see the government program get completed um, this is a great business and industry to be in uh, we're a very big believer and uh, what I think the misperceptions are is that questions are asked sometimes by not getting complete information and they're just trying to complete the picture of what your business is and are you going to be capable but quite often i think you'll find the intentions of most lenders is actually to help you make your business bigger better more successful um, and in government contracting as you said it is a great uh, rinse and repeat kind of business you want to get into it you want to establish a pattern you want to have your financing partners lined up and you want to grow a book of business um, that leads to success. And what's interesting about that is both on the financing side and on the government side, what a lot of people don't realize is that their goal is to make you successful. Because if you're successful, for my business, you're a better customer. Right. For the government, you're a better customer too. And so if the goal is to succeed in projects and you make more money, um, then it's a win-win. Uh, and that is the philosophy that we have and what we see as the, the best performers. Uh, I, I think that's a great point there. You know, everybody wants to see everybody win in, in this scenario. And I, what I, one of the things I have seen is companies that are trying to get some sort of loan, some sort of investment in the company, however they want to put it. And their thoughts are, well, my goal is to get the money. Like, no, that's not your. The goal is to perform on the contract. You know, that's that's the real goal. And right. so, and so, the other thing that that I see them do is they kind of twist that and think, well, let me only provide the lender with the necessary information and not necessarily the whole picture. And that's where, you know, you were talking about, you know, all the questions that some of them like, well, they just, they're grilling me on all these questions. Like, well, it's cause you probably didn't provide the whole picture. You know, if you come in because you, your goal is to get the money and you know, you think you can, you know, fast track that by only providing certain information, you're probably going to be the cause of all the questions and scrutiny because yeah, you're a smart businessman. You know, you've been around 20 plus years. You know what's where the bodies are buried in companies typically, you know, just like I do. And you can quickly look at somebody's information and say, well, there's they're not telling me everything. And so now it's going to get difficult. And, you know, it you don't want that kind of relationship. At least I know I don't. When I'm working with somebody, I want to have all the information on the table. And so that's really the best way my opinion to approach it. And so uh, hopefully, you know, you guys view that the same way. So, you know, one of the concerns that I know a lot of people have, you know, with things like the shutdown that happened. Now we're recording this in April of 2019. Earlier in this year, we had a government shutdown that freaked out everybody. In fact, they thought there was going to be multiple shutdowns and people were talking about year-long shutdowns and all those type of things. But shutdown issues cause a lot of people a lot of stress. And so do you find that the government has become more unpredictable or even undesirable from a contractor's perspective in light of like recent shutdowns? Well, the, the, the 
the government is is uncertain in, in different ways, but but it is complex. It has a lot of moving moving pieces, and um, I think what you should just uh, sort of take away from uh, working with a, in a government contract environment is that it's going to be different than working with a commercial counterparty. Mm. And so uh, one of the things that we find is the consistency of the government uh, quite often appears to be higher and better than uh, commercial companies. Uh, they do tend to stick with what they say they're going to do, uh, whether it be you know economic uh, issues or shutdowns or whatever. Um, those are things that I would say we sort of a, a philosophy here, here, which is um, you should have your quote unquote financial go bag. You know, it's that FEMA concept of mm. you know prepared for unexpected things. And the beauty of a government contract and counterparty is that remember their intentions are to help you be successful because then they're successful in completing the project. So variances and things do happen. Uh, there are changes in administrations, but having options available to you, not making it too tight on how you finance yourself is important because there will be situations um, that can occur, but they're not like the company going out of business. Right? It's not like your customer suddenly failing one day. It's maybe a six-week shutdown, and it's something you can prepare for, but their goal is always the same. It's to complete the project. It's one of right. the things that makes us different as a lender is we know that, and we're able to be comfortable stepping in knowing that the government will still be there. Yeah, it's just, I always tell people it's a matter of time. It's not if the government's coming back, it's when, right. and, and have you really prepared yourself for this because I do see a lot of contractors that have latched on to the government space and only work in that space. And I'm like, that's not a smart business model. You know, the government is slow and we, it's, it's really funny to us in the commercial space. We can go out and get clients where you can literally go speak at an event and sign clients in the back of the room in the government space. You can go speak an event and government contractors act just like their customers. It may take six months for them to move forward. And so I'm always telling them, like, you need a really good mix of commercial and government business in order to have a really healthy company and to be able to get through a storm like a shutdown because it may be a two-week shutdown. It may, like you said, a six-week shutdown. It could be longer. Uh, and to have all your ducks in a row, if you will, to make sure you can survive that shutdown with other business that you have going on is just a smart thing. I think uh, a banker once told me, uh, we only give you money when you don't need it. And <laughs> <laughs> that, that was his, his, you know, that was my introduction to banking some 20 years ago where he was like, he's like, I'm telling you right now, that's the way it'll be. You don't need the money. And we're trying to give you thousands of dollars. And the day you need it, we're going to be like, oh, well, you know, I don't know. And sure enough, I experienced that as a business owner. And I think it's the same thing, you know, on the government contracting side, you know, when the money's flowing, it's flowing. And when it's not, it's just not. And, and so, you know, you, you definitely, you need to be prepared for those types of things. And so, you know, one of the interesting things that is kind of spun out of the shutdown is people talking about, oh, well, the next recession. In fact, I think I've, I, I think we've been hearing talk since 2008, which was, you know, the last great recession, if you will, that the next one was right around the corner. You know, it's in the coming months, in the next couple of months, six months, three months, whatever. Since 2008, we're in 2019. 
I don't want another recession of, of any sort. But with the potential of a, a recession, you know, on the minds of government contractors, you know, how do you see that? Should that sort of thing happen? How do you see that affecting government contractors? And do you think, uh, you know, some of the, the sources of financing will start to shrink? Or, you know, wh- what are your thoughts on that if you looked in the crystal ball? Sure, crystal ball. So I, uh, I spent a very long time on Wall Street uh, and uh, was an options specialist in, in my early days. And uh, the hardest thing to ever plan for is timing, particularly timing of a recession. Um, so uh, we take a step back and you know, you, you, we talked about the shutdown. You know, Brevet funded its, its borrowers straight through the, the, the shutdown. And I would actually um, put in the minds of, of your listeners that possibly the best time to be a government contractor is in times when the economy begins to slow. And is in the times when the traditional commercial companies are pulling back because it is those times, and we do a lot of this, is where economic development is needed, job creating activities, mm-hmm. uh, fixing infrastructure is large infrastructure needs. Um, it is in those times that you might find that being a government contractor may be the best place to be. And while we think of some programs going away, that is true, but I would say, while times are good, is possibly the best time to actually get in the game. You know, now is a very good time to be there because we have a uh, we have some of our uh, our borrowers who got in the game with us back during the 08 uh, 2009 crisis, and they couldn't find money anywhere. Um, all they knew was that all the banks they were working with were no longer lenders, and we pointed out to them that there were some great government programs most of which nobody was even applying for. Mm. And the government welcomed them and said, please help us. We want to create these jobs. We want to change these programs. And we stood by them and said, we love those contracts. We love that business. Those businesses today are tremendously successful because in the the trough or the recessionary period, they actually grew their business. And lucky for some of them, they had actually started some contracting before the recession. So they were familiar with the process. They felt comfortable. Um, you know, think about it, it could almost be a double fear. You got a recession and you don't know how to apply for the programs. It could be quite a daunting task. Right. But if you do step in ahead of time, it's, it's fear is the biggest challenge of most businesses. And so take away that fear. And so we actually would say, now is the best time to do it, to be prepared for the one biggest, if you look at the federal government as a customer, it's double A plus. So it is one of the strongest customers. And yes, you have to pick your contracts wisely, but we think it's a great place to grow. And we think the strongest leading companies do that going into a recession. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. And, you know, when I've always looked at these types of things, I I never want to wish another company out of business. But I'll, I'll tell you what, the easiest time to grow your business is when there's less competition. You know, when there's when there's less competition in the market, it sure makes it easier because instead of the government reviewing 13 proposals, they're reviewing three or, you know, instead of 40, it's 12 or whatever it is. You know, it, it, there's less competition in the market. Those companies, like you said, they, there's that fear. They pull back. They're afraid to market. They're afraid, hey, we're not going to be able to get financing. You know, we, we you know, we don't know. We don't know what we should do. 
and you're just plowing forward, you may be one of the only or one of just a couple of people going after some stuff. And so I think that's a, a really good perspective there. You know, you also mentioned the infrastructure. And I think, um, you know, one of the interesting things right now is obviously, you know, there's there's trying to get funding for roads and bridges and walls and, you know, who knows what's what's going to get funded in, in the near future. You know, when you look at a lot of these what you would call federal infrastructure projects, you know, and if they start, you know, when they start, all that kind of stuff, you know, what do you see on the horizon there for, you know, the the influx of capital into government contracting as a result of all these infrastructure projects? A good question. And clearly, if you read the paper any day, we have a tremendous infrastructure need. Uh, and so there will inevitably be a call for, for that, that work to get done. And our view on this is now is a great time to be prepared for that, maybe even before the contracts are awarded. And we have two bits of advice on that. One is we all know the challenge is there isn't any money to do it. Right? The big question in Washington and at the States is who's going to pay for it? Mm-hmm. And I would say we have uh, two simple messages. One is if everybody watches the show American Pickers and the shorter guy, Frank, right? Uh, we love him. And what's his favorite role? The bundle. Yeah, and the bundle, yeah. We advise bundling is a good idea. And what we mean by that is I don't think many contractors are aware that if you qualify for a government contract, you probably are also a very good candidate for other types of local, state, and federal support grants, loans, other types of capital that can be brought to bear. Why is that important? Because when times do get tough or when somebody announces a trillion plus dollar infrastructure program and suddenly everybody finds a local banker or finds us and there are now competition to get the money, you will have access to other forms of capital. And I would say, again, now is a great time to, to look for that money. Now is the time to get to know your local county, state officials, find out what programs are available. Now, we work a lot with governments, and you would find it surprising that one of the best sort of services we provide is to help them find people to take the money, Hmm. which most people don't realize that governments aren't necessarily good at marketing. If they're not calling you up and saying, hey, I have a grant, could you please take it? Right. But if you're coming in saying, I could be the person who fixes these old structures or does something for them, they might be more than willing to help you buy that equipment, give you some subsidy to go do something, a tax credit or tax incentive. The other thing I would bring up um, is that if there are newly elected officials or there has been a change of administration, um, you might want to come in and say, by the way, I've done this in the past. I've been a government contractor. I've worked with the city or state and got some grants. But also you might say, I also know of uh, another program that might help you get that that uh, infrastructure project done that doesn't have the capital in your budget. And so a really mm-hmm. good way to become a favorite party as a contractor is to walk in and solve a problem for your government, right, the party that's asking you to be a contractor, by saying, hey, by the way, we got a grant from this federal agency or the state agency. You think that maybe we could combine them and help you get that project done. A lot of times you might merely move to the top to be a prime or preferred provider. And so it's good for your business. It's good for them. And in the end, 
well into success, which is you make profits and the government gets its project done. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Yeah, bundling and being a value-added counterparty, right? It's a two-way relationship. Yeah, and I, the point you made there about, I, I think a lot of government contractors get tunnel vision and they focus on one piece of the government. You know, you were talking federal, state, local, and I see a lot of them, they typically only do one of those. They only focus on one of those areas and they shut off everything else in their mind and they look at the other one as, wow, it's so different to make the leap from local or state to federal. And I, it's not. It's not that difficult to make the leap. They do things very similarly. Uh, if you can do that same that type of business in one, you can easily apply it across the field. A lot of people think, well, you know, we're just a small janitorial company. How could we possibly you know, do business across the state line or whatever? I'm like, there are projects you could win. <laughs> There are projects you could win, you could go after if you would just open your mind a little bit to to some of the opportunities that are out there. And so, you know, it also brings a question uh, of, you know, if if I'm a company and I can do a lot of different types of projects, so from service to product to, you know, infrastructure to, you know, you name it, I can do a lot of different things, which a lot of companies can. They can do more than one thing. What types of projects or programs are the most attractive to finance from a, a lender's perspective? Because I know a lot of people look at it and say, well, you know, oh, well, this will slam dunk. This will be easy to get money for, for uh, and then they can't get money for it. And then they're surprised by things they can get money for. So maybe you can uh, enlighten some of the listeners on the, the types of projects that are attractive as a lender to go after. Um. So as I mentioned, uh, we've been in business 20 years. And one of the best lessons I've learned is that our borrowers are some of the best and most knowledgeable people for answering that question, which might mean uh, or does mean if you're a contractor and you're, you see an opportunity to enter into some type of business, your business judgment and your gut instinct a lot of times is equal or even better than your lender's. And that might be because you know more about what can go wrong and what can go right. And as you mentioned at the beginning, it was about being prepared, right? knowing and being able to communicate what the opportunity is. So if you're a contractor and you're trying to decide, do I go into a service contract or some construction contract, um, and which is easiest to finance? I would say it's which you are most confident that you know you will succeed in because you know probably better than the lender and more importantly you'll be prepared you'll be able to present a clear message to them and you'll be able to get that financing much more easily than if you can't answer the questions and you're you're mm. trying to figure out what might work and right. so we go back to that and keep in mind your success will be higher because the government just wants you to succeed. And we want you to succeed because we want to be repaid, but so does the government. And so my answer to that may be, um, you might know the answer yourself, um, and a good businessman and you know a leading company, as, as many of your listeners are, are the, the best judgment. And what you might find interesting is sometimes the government may ask us, what do your customers, your borrowers think? Sometimes they're thinking about a uh, transaction. Um, and I go back to that bundling example um, where 
there was an RFP put out for building a building. And everybody knew that what was proposed would never work. And for four years in a row, it was put out and it never worked. And no one ever got the contract. But one of the uh, one of our borrowers in relationship said, well, what was missing was that a good businessman would have just gone and done this. In this case, it was go get some federal assistance. Hmm. They asked us to go back to the government on their behalf and say, would you consider having your contractor go get you the rest of the money? And the state was quite taken back on that, but said, well, that would be wonderful. We'd love to have the building built. The federal government, believe it or not, was very excited because they would have never found that opportunity. And so mm. here a contractor was able to bring a good solution for themselves. They knew it was a good piece of business. They were able to help the, the state get its building built. Everybody won. They made a lot more money than they were thinking. And they obviously won the RFP. So um, interesting way to say, what is the best business? It's the one that you know that you're going to make money on, you can succeed on, and sometimes you can create. Mm. No, I, I like that. You know, I, I again, talking to as many contractors as we talk to, it's it's interesting some of the things that come across our desk. And I, you know it when you hear it from somebody where they're, they're talking about a project and they know all the little details. And you can just tell. They know every little detail. They know where the pitfalls are. They know how it's going to be successful. They can just tell you A to Z how to perform that contract. And then you have folks who come to you. Um, there was a gentleman that came to me a while back. It was a couple of years ago. And he said, hey, I need your help. I'm trying to source. It was a product purchase. And uh, it was toilet paper. And I said, oh, great. What you know? Are you, are you in the janitorial business? Are you in this? Are you in that? And he goes, nope. And I was, and I just kept asking questions and it was, nope. And I was, and he, I said, so why did you, he actually went out and won the RFP and he said, I just don't know how to deliver on this. And I'm like, but you don't know anything about how to source toilet paper. Right. Why did, why did you even chase this? He's like, I thought I could win. <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. And like, okay, but you can't deliver, you know? Right. And, and so those are the, those are the scary ones to me. When you go and win something that you can't deliver uh, or, you know, you have no business. And so I said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go back to the contracting officer. You're going to tell them you have no business having this contract and you're going to get it back. Right. You know, like, this is like you, you're going to really shoot yourself in the foot. And I think that's where some people see these opportunities and think, oh, well, let's just go out and let's figure out a way. You know, I just quoted Richard Branson the other day of. I think it was Richard Branson that said something along the lines of, you know, when somebody wants to give you uh, some work, you just say yes and then go figure out how to do it. And mm -hmm. and it's like, so if it's not Richard Branson, sorry, Richard Branson, right. not that he listens to our podcast. But anyway, you know, it, it's one of those things where I understand that thought, but it can be very harmful in this space. You know, it, it could be very harmful to go out and try to win a contract that you know nothing about. Uh, and you're definitely going to have a hard time getting some financing on that. So what I want to do here uh, as we start to wrap up and, you know, you give your final thoughts is kind of go into a little bit of a mini infomercial about what you do over there and sure. how you do it by saying, you know, how does financing with Brevet differ from a traditional bank? Because you you have said you're you're not a traditional bank or lender. Um, how does it differ? What are some of the benefits to government contractors? You know, why do you think this is important for them? So that along with any other final thoughts you have for me. Sure. 
Thank you, Michael. So, as I mentioned, we are a non-bank lender. So the the obvious advantage there is we're not bound by banking regulations, um, and we're government focused. So we believe that we are uh, more of a partner than just a, a financing source. Mm-hmm. And so we're uh, a business that, in the few places that we actually do provide financing, we are very good as being the seasoned, knowledgeable source on how to get through that that fear or that uh, confusion and uncertainty around some government contracting. Um, we will uh, have the financing solution and the process to work with the government agency, work with that particular contract already ironed out. And in most cases, you'll find that the government knows us already and are very excited at the fact that they're coming through the brevet process. Um, so we're able to help you through this process and help you through to a successful completion of the project. Um, and uh, as as a uh, an interesting turn on that is that the government asks us to do this at times too. So mm-hmm. what may be different than the banking industry is that we are also providing uh, what they ask us to do to contractors. So financing that helps them better use the money that the government has to help you succeed and grow. And one of the things that we just want to emphasize is government contracting is a fabulous business. I agree, diversity is a a benefit to have uh, multiple activities, but in tough times and recessions, even in government shutdowns, um, one thing that's sure is the government is probably the most reliable source counterpart that you can work with. And we believe in that. We underwrite to that. We give you capital to that. And we believe that together, it's a win-win solution. And win the fact that you're going to make a lot of money and grow your business, take you from a good to a great organization, you're definitely going to be a win for the government counterparty who wants success. They want to have that project completed. And for us and our business, we're in the business of making sure that we have a successful relationship and a good financial outcome on both sides. And so our message is we'd like to grow with customers. Uh, we do like to partner with you, meaning help you through the process, and we like to be uh, a smoothing or a clarifying uh, path or light in the confusing space at times in government contracting. Yeah, well, and that's that's one of the challenges, as you've mentioned a few times here, of how confusing government contracting can be for folks. So to have more people in the market who know and understand it is a big deal, and to have the government tapping you on the shoulder sometimes saying, hey, can you help us go do this? Or even just having a comfort level because they see you involved, uh, you know, that to me, that's a big deal. You know, when I look at government, I have a similar message. You know, government is such a, a stable business to be in because, again, they're going to come back. It's just a matter of when. It's one of the few clients, if you will, if you look at all of government as one giant client, it's one of the few that will open their doors and listen to your cold calls. You know, that doesn't doesn't happen in the commercial space like it does in government where, you know, you're not going to be like, oh, I wonder what RFPs IBM's putting out today or Google or name the company. Right. Or any of the local smaller companies around your, you know, your city. They're just they're not putting out RFPs. They're not opening their door for you to talk to their contracting people. They're not doing that type of thing. You know, it to me, it's one of the greatest places as a salesperson when I started my career was to see just how open it was so you could just go in, have those conversations and learn how to even put deals together and, and, and 
be in sales, if you will. So, you know, there's no other business like it. Uh, I'm glad to hear that uh, you guys feel the same way. And uh, thanks for coming on today. I think there's a lot of really great information we shared with our listeners. Great. If I could leave you with one parting thought to think about this. Uh, we're a lender that has hundreds and hundreds of experiences with lending to government contractors. The one advantage you might want to think about, while sometimes you may ask a lot of questions, is we've seen this scenario hundreds of times. Right? We may have actually worked with that same uh, counterparty at the government. And so uh, while sometimes it's fearful to go call a lender, what you really might want to think about is if there's a specific government-focused lender like ourselves, we may actually be able to help you break through that path because for us, it may be something that we just do every day. And for you, it right. once a year contract, right? So we hope that we are that open door as well. Um, and we hope that uh, we can be there to help. Uh, you know, we're, we're a guide as much as, as we are a source of capital. So, you know, open door, I, I love that comment. Uh, I hope we are the same. And you should use people like ourselves as a resource just as much as you do other third parties. Yeah, no, that's a really great point there. I always tell people, you know, if you, if you think education is expensive, you should try ignorance because, <laughs> you know, what you don't know will cost you a whole lot of money because people are like, oh, consulting or whatever. Yeah. That's really expensive. I'm like, well, how much is it going to cost you to not to win? Right. You right. Because not winning is really expensive. And, you know, the the thing I always tell people when you are in the government space, this is not like at all. We've said this a few times, just, I'm just beating that drum one more time. It's not like the commercial space. You don't go down to your U S bank and say, Hey, I'm trying to do this contract. Can you help me? They're going to look at you. Like I've no, I, we have an SBA person on the team. Can you want to talk to them? And, and you know, that person talk about a restrictive box there in these days and it, it, not a knock on us bank. It's just, it's not what they do as a whole. They have a special division, but you're going to have to hunt through the rabbit hole to find that. And I always talk about that with attorneys as well. You know, you don't go to the guy who's going to do your will and say, hey, can you review this government contract for me? It's not what they do. You wouldn't go to your general practitioner and ask him to perform brain surgery. When you're in government contracting, you need specialists. That's what you're talking about with Brevet, being a specialist in this market, something you do dozens of times per day. Again, I know it's sounding like a, a little infomercial, but our listeners know just from me, when you're, when you're doing something like financing, which can easily kill or easily grow your business, you need to talk to people who do this every day not just the same person you talk to that handles your checking account. It's not that you have to forget about those people. It's just you need to bring additional team members in to work this right in order to ensure success, you know, in, in my in my opinion. So that's just that's my two cents. So I, thank you again, Doug. I really appreciate it, and I uh, look forward to having you on again sometime. Great. Thank you, Mike, and thank you to your listeners. Before we take off today, I want to ask everyone a simple question. Are you feeling stuck in your government business? Do you feel like you should be winning a lot more contracts, but just can't figure out how to bust through to the next level? Do you want to accelerate your results and hit your goals faster? Does that describe you at all? If so, I have a very special offer for all of our listeners today. Visit us at rsmfederal.com 
slash breakthrough coaching where you can schedule your very own business breakthrough session with me. You're going to walk away from the session with three things, a copy of the award-winning government sales manual, at least three strategies to supercharge your business, and some specific answers to your biggest challenges that are out there. Now, normally these sessions run about $495, but for a limited time for our podcast listeners only, you can schedule this session at no cost to you. So that's zero cost to schedule a session with me. Simply visit rsmfederal.com forward slash breakthrough coaching. And you'll be able to fill out an application. So scroll all the way to the bottom of that page, fill out an application that'll come directly to me. Then I'll reach out to you. We'll get our, our session scheduled and we'll walk through some of the challenges that you're having, whether it's you know how to grow the business, your goal setting, um, specific challenges you're having in government. This doesn't have to be just about specific to growing any business, but you're going to walk away from the session, not only understanding how to approach the government from a better perspective, but you're going to walk away with a lot of confidence on what you need to do, what next steps you need to take to supercharge your government business so you can take the next several months, the next several years to a whole new level. So again, visit us at rsmfederal.com forward slash breakthrough coaching. You can uh, get an overview of what Breakthrough Coaching is all about. Scroll all the way to the bottom, fill out the application that'll come to me, and then I'll schedule your session for you. And last but not least, let me take a moment here. I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today. We really appreciate your support. Remember, you can find every episode on iTunes. Just look for Game Changers for Government Contractors and subscribe to the feed to make sure you get every episode. And be sure to tune in next time for lessons from our experts on how you can win more government contracts. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.